welcome everyone to KSQD Santa Cruz at 90.7 FM. I'm Patrick Hart and you're listening to our show, What To Be, where we interview inspiring people and highlight their careers. What To Be is a program provided by Your Future Is Our Business, a Santa Cruz County nonprofit that helps students explore careers through programs such as college and career expos, panels, and other work-based learning activities. Please note that the views and opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily represent or reflect those of Natural Bridges Media or your future is our business. The information provided during this program does not reflect its career in its entirety. And today I have the pleasure to speak with Bill Fisher, who's an architect in Santa Cruz. Hi, Bill. Hello, how are you? Oh, I'm doing good, thank you. And thank you for taking the time to do this interview with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Bill, I was wondering if you could please explain your career journey with us. Well, when I was a little kid, I, like a lot of little kids, I went in the backyard and there was tools and old scraps of lumber and stuff that I played with as a little child and I got fascinated with building things and that's it. And here I am now, I've never done anything else. It's uh, architecture is one of those fields that it's really an art as much as it is a science. It's not really a science, it's mainly an art. Although we use engineering, which is science, to do it, it's, it's really an art. But it's one of those things that you, you're just kind of driven to do. You just, and people, after a while, people come to you and they say, hey, uh, can you help me with my fence in the backyard? Or can you help me with this little shed? And you're just a kid, you know, you're like maybe, 12 or 15 or 16 years old and they know you have some tools you know you have certain capabilities and you help them and pretty soon after a while you're an architect <laughs> of course you have there's some things you have to do along the way you have to go to school and you have to get a license from the state but it's uh, it's been a pretty wonderful period for me okay and do you mind telling us about your your education background well i started to go to architecture school and I found it to be ridiculous. So I became a physics student instead. And I pursued that for a while, but I was too stupid to really get a degree in physics. But I kind of as a self-taught architecture student. I don't really recommend people go to architecture school. And there, I'll tell you why. I think the reason is the same as when I made the decision against doing it. I think that it is more of a natural thing that you have as a young person. You'll Ideas say about a building, what it should be, it kind of comes from your soul. And in these classes, these architecture classes that I was asked to take, they would kind of tell you what is beautiful and what to do at every step of the way. And, you know, you don't really need uh, your teachers to tell you what is beautiful. The best example of this I have is a friend of mine just died. He was a teacher at Cabrillo College for 33 years, an art teacher, Howard Ikamoto just died last week, great guy. His daughter, Amy, who's now an adult, Amy, when she was a little kid, she was like six, maybe five, and I remember this, she asked her dad, she says, Daddy, what do you do at work? And he was a teacher, an art teacher at Cabrillo College. 
he said, well, I teach people how to draw and paint. And she said, well, when did they forget? <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, you know, you basically know things in your heart. And that's what art is, you know, what you do. So when you go to like an art school or an architecture school where they're like teaching you how to make beautiful things, I think what I recommend people do if they're really interested in architecture, for instance, they go to engineering school instead. And I don't recommend they go to really fancy engineering schools. You could go to someplace like Cal State uh, San Jose, which has an excellent engineering program, by the way. And you get a degree in civil engineering, something like that. And that will equip you to be a much better architect than going to regular architecture school. So that's kind of my take on the architectural education. Okay. Thanks for that, Bill. It's great advice. And before the interview, you were telling me that you're a teacher at Cabrillo and was for over 20 years? Yeah, 27 years. Wow. I, I've also, been, sorry I've, to, and sorry to hear about the loss of your friend. Oh, that's right. No, I taught there, taught originally as a favor to a guy who needed somebody to teach this class. And now he's gone and I've been doing it for 27 years. So it's fun. I was wondering how hands-on are you on the construction side of things? As, as hands-on as I can get, because a lot of the design work and the, the making things come to fruition happens during construction. A contractor who's building it can really screw up your masterpiece, whatever it is you create. On paper, you give it to a contractor, a builder who's going to build it, if they don't follow your drawings just right, they can really mess it up. So you need to be involved as much as possible. It's really nice if you can be the builder as well as the designer, that's optimum. But many clients are not willing to pay you as enough money as it, as it requires to actually do that. Most clients are there surprised when they realize how much money you need as a designer to just make it happen and it's not, Buildings are really expensive. Like the average little house, little wood frame house somewhere in Santa Cruz. Today, that would cost you around over $400 a square foot to build it. $300 is the actual cost of construction. And then at least $100 a square foot is for all of the fees that you have to pay mainly to government to get it done. So that's incredibly expensive. So the, the homeowner is, you know, saddled with. So really the, the, what I'm saying, I guess, to students is your challenge is how to fix this situation we have. I know right now with my students, we're working on the homeless issues and trying to figure out how to solve problems for people who don't happen to have homes. And it's more than just a technical kind of architectural problem. It's a political problem. It's all, there's all kinds of issues. And so, yeah, we have to think about that. But these are world issues that we have to deal with. So we have, we're going to all have to learn to become politically active, to figure out how to get these big problems solved. And the architecture business, you might say, well, gee, that's kind of unrelated to what we're talking about. Well, no. We're, this is the business of, of being a problem solver, about learning how to figure out how to solve problems. And 
this is just one of our problems. Homelessness is a problem we can solve. It's a technical problem. It's a political and technical and very, it's the most complex, important problem that we have in America today. We, yeah. should, we should be able to figure it out. I think these problems need to be first and foremost in everybody's mind and we need to solve it. And when you were talking about how you like to be hands-on with your architect jobs, I would imagine that's probably really useful when designing a house. If you understand the materials that you're working with and planning on using in your designs. Yeah. It's very important. You know, it, materials are interesting because in Western, the Western world here in America, America, we use four materials. We use concrete, steel and wood and then other the other is maybe like one percent of everything else and that's kind of a wide range of interesting stuff all kinds of plastics and things like that so we have to kind of expand our horizons and and look at doing things differently in in many ways there are lots of things that we try that are just that work and some things don't work i know one of my jobs that I got about 20 years ago was removing all of the solar collectors from Merrill College, which the, uh, that was a job, good job for us. It was sensible what we did because basically what we did, we went there and we removed all these solar collectors and threw them in the trash. And you say, well, gee, why is that green? <laughs> Well, it's because the idiot that put them on originally didn't think about the fact that he's putting solar collectors in the middle of a forest, okay, <laughs> where there does gets no sun, okay? So just because something seems like a good idea, like it's green, doesn't mean it is. You have to, these things are uh, not all black and white. So we have to really be skeptical and careful and not listen to advertisers who are trying to sell us products, things like that. You see a lot of that. Even in the, the green movement, you'll see a lot of things that are just wrong, just because the people who are promulgating it uh, for usually for money purposes have, I'll give you an example. When you, when you go to the grocery store and buy some food, you are pretty safe. I mean, you figure, okay, the FDA, the federal government has checked all the food that's sold. So you're not going to poison yourself by going to the grocery store. Okay, that's true. Great. There's nothing like that in architecture, though. I mean, there's no agency that's overlooking the advertising, say, of architectural products or something like that. So that you can you buy things that literally will give you cancer. <laughs> Or, you know, or they just out and out lied to you. So anyway, I'm getting kind of far afield here. No, no, it's, it's fine. And I think that one of the best things that people can do is just to educate themselves more. Yeah. Yeah. And Bill, I was wondering, what are some of your favorite projects that you've worked on over the years? I'd imagine there's got to be some really cool stuff that you've built. My stuff is pretty boring. <laughs> <laughs> I, the most interesting things to me are when I, the next project is always, I have the, my list of people who want me to do things, clients, and those are the ones that I'm fascinated with when I get, a, I get a call from. My favorite one I'm doing right now is a project in East Palo Alto, which is a little town up 
north of here by a fellow who is 65 years old, a grandfather who is living. It's in the, he, he lives with his daughter and her family and her mother-in-law in a little tract house. And they have a little space, a tiny backyard, and he wants me to build him a very, very, very small shed in the backyard where he will live for the rest of his life. And so he can be there to play with his grandkids for the rest of his life. And that's his, what he told me he wanted. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm, you know, building, you know, 8,000 square foot mansions in Atherton and stuff like that. Sure. But to me, this guy's entrusting me with this, designing this building for him. That is quite a responsibility for me to do it really well and do it really well. That's my most interesting and fascinating project to me because it's got to be cheap he's going to build it himself it's got to everything's got to work and he's literally going to live there forever and play with his grandkids so to me that's the one that i think about every day how can i do this how can i make it just right how can i make it cheaper how can i so that's the one that i'm thinking about all the time the other stuff it's in this business, you deal with a lot of very wealthy people who want, you know, very fancy homes. And that's great. You know, you get to do some really neat stuff. It's very satisfying aesthetically, you know. But there's also the other stuff that's even more meaningful when you get to help people who really need your help. And a lot of it is you're helping them a lot of times through government issues. The, we have a very screwed up government in terms of planning departments and building departments and things like that, because they're, they're using codes that are antiquated and a lot of things that are, that they force you to do that are absolutely against the environment and against common sense. See what kind of, I'll, I'll give you an example. I did a, I don't know if you realize it, but there are, there are situations where you have to, you can never break the law. I'll tell you that right now. You can never break the law. You just have to figure out how to be smart enough to work the system so your clients get what they need without doing anything illegal <laughs> and you doing anything illegal. Sometimes you have to change the law. When the laws don't work for you, you go to the government whoever's involved, and you say, this particular law thing you want me to do is stupid. Okay, we have to change it. And you literally have to rewrite the law book to make it work. Every day we, we run into situations like that. Yeah, I saw and, something funny when I was looking at your website that said, how much does an architect cost? And it on your website, it says, if you click on that, it drops down. It says, cheaper than to not hire one. Yeah, you, you pretty much need, in any field, you need somebody to, to be the brains, to kind of figure it out. Not that we have big brains, that's not it. I guess what I'm saying is that as a consumer or as a designer, whoever you are, the more thinking you can put into your project or your studies or the paper you're writing, whatever it is, the more thinking you can put into it, that's the most important time. That's more important than the implementation time of what you're doing. Most people think the implementation of whatever it is you're creating is the important part, the important time. Like a sculptor creating a piece of sculpture 
you might say, oh, that must have taken you a long time to do that sculpture. And a sculptor might tell you, and I'm just guessing because I'm not a sculptor, but I'm just guessing they might tell you, well, it's true it took a certain amount of time to actually do the sculpture, but it took me much more time to think about it ahead of time. And in a lot of fields, architecture is one of them, it's like that. You put in a lot of just contemplation and thinking and figuring it out. And then the actual drawings of the, the little drawings we do, or that's really a relatively small amount of the time. It's more of a kind of an intellectual exercise to do it. Okay. Yeah, that doesn't really surprise me. For those who are just tuning in, you're listening to the What To Be show at KSQD Santa Cruz, 90.7 FM. I'm Patrick Hart, and I'm speaking with Bill Fisher, who is a Santa Cruz architect. Bill, I was wondering, what's your typical day uh, of work look like? And has that changed during COVID times? Okay. What I have, I have a crew of people who uh, work for me. I used to do it like all by myself and I was stupid. And then I got some very brilliant young, well, to me, they're young. They're all, all younger than 40. To me, that's a kid. A group of people working with me. I won't say for me because they're, I'm really, I, they're smarter than I am. <laughs> I, so we use them and we've had this office set up in downtown Santa Cruz for about 12 years now. And with COVID, They've all moved around. Like the one of them is in La Paz, Mexico. One of them is in Washington State. A couple of them are in San Jose. One is still in Santa Cruz. I'm in San. We're able to operate the business because it's all electronic. Of like everything else in our life, everything is electronic, including when we make drawings. If you're thinking about architecture or engineering as a profession, you probably know that everything is reduced to drawings that you have to submit to cities and give to contractors and they build using these drawings. Well, that's all electronic now. The drawings are all completely done on laptops and they're all electronic. So you don't have to be here. I did a project last year where the, my draftsman was in India. And it was great. They would draw in the, uh, during the day in India. To me, it was night. I would wake up in the morning, the drawing would be done. That's completely possible now because it's an electronic world. And we actually submit all of our documents to government electronically. And, you know, that's the kind of the way of the world. So the COVID has accelerated that process. But uh, it's, you know, information technology. That's kind of where it's at in this business as well as others. You still have to get your hands in the concrete though. You still have to mix it, you have to get wood, you have to weld steel, you have to get the feel of what you're doing. On every job you have to go out on the site when it's before the building is there and you have to sit on the ground and experience the wind and the sun and the view, which, which direction is the good view, the smells, everything about that, that is what it's all about. But when you actually start doing the process of making drawings and specifications and calculations and all that stuff, it's all electronic. Bill, what's a misconception that people might have about being an architect? We don't really build like we, uh, it used to be something called a master builder. And they still, people still do that. It's called design build today. Some people, very few architects, maybe 1% do this where they're actually designing and build it. 
The two are separated now. So the design is done by one group of professionals called architects. And then the construction is doing by a completely separate crew, which is the contractors. And so the building is separate from the designing totally. And so a client, somebody needing something, would need to hire both those two people. They hire the architect first, who creates the thing on paper, electronic paper. And then the contractor takes over and actually builds it under the supervision of the architect. Because the architect needs to be there to make sure it actually gets done right. Okay. And in between it, project has to go to government where they analyze it and criticize it a lot of times. So we have to negotiate with them because they might not understand what we're trying to achieve. And sometimes that doesn't work out well for the client. There are, there, I'm doing a church in uh, San Jose right now. And it's an old church. It was designed in 1938. And it was designed legally according to the code in 1938. Okay. It had some bathrooms in it that were up to code then in 1938. And there's, anyway, what we've done, this particular church offers what they want us to do is create a bunch of bathrooms with showers. So homeless people in San Jose can come in and get free showers and take care of themselves. So we took a whole section of this church and added eight shower rooms. Okay. The building department is arguing with us because we created these, these eight totally perfect new bathrooms. They're complaining because we took away the two bathrooms that had been there in 1938. And there's no logic to that. We're adding eight and we're taking away two. They want us to add more. They want us to add two more. I mean, it's crazy. You might say, well, what's the logic? What are you, what are you talking about building? Why are you doing this? And it's holding up the project. If the project is delayed, they won't get federal funding and it won't happen. And so I'm having to make compromises with the city. Into, it's, it's, a lot of the stuff we do is ridiculous political negotiation. And I wish there was more logic in some of these decisions, but sometimes politics is like that. You know, I found that many uh, people involved in politics, uh, if they're elected officials, their main goal is wanting to get reelected. So whatever they do, it's designed just to get them reelected. Unfortunately, we live in a world like that. So if you're going to operate in any profession, you have to become a political animal and be able to negotiate these shark infested waters and figure out how to get done what you need to get done. Okay. I just want to have the people in San Jose take showers when they're homeless. Yeah, okay. for sure. I don't want to have to fight with a building official about how to, how to design their shower rooms. You know? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me either. <laughs> And I was wondering, what advice or resources can you give to students who are interested in pursuing a career in architecture? I like Cabrillo College. I think even if you're like a student at UCSA or some high fluting school like that, you may want to consider looking at someplace like Cabrillo because they do have an architecture program that's interesting that might be helpful. 
I would definitely talk to architects. So I, they could contact me, anybody who's interested. And, you know, I'm in the book. <laughs> my name is Fisher. And it's, it's modern, Fish. modern architecture. Is that right? Yeah, my uh, uh, website is modernarchitecture.com. Actually, there's a dash between the word modern and architecture because I couldn't get modernarchitecture.com. Anyone who knows about websites knows this, that all the good names are taken. And if you want to get the good name, you have to pay somebody to buy it. So I didn't want to do that. So I took it with a little dash in between the word modern and architecture. Anyway, contact me if you're at all interested in this field and I can you know, answer questions. But most any architect would be happy to talk with you and just you know, tell you, and, it, and that goes for any profession. You know, I don't care what it is, whoever, whatever you want to do, talk to some people actually in the field and they'll talk to you. They'll gladly, you know, take 10 or 15 minutes out of their day and talk to a student interested. You know, they'll be flattered to want to, you know, talk to you about what they want to do. You know, I think it, yeah. Okay. Thanks, Bill. And what advice could you give to someone or just to a student who is unsure about their career path? Well, you should not do it unless you're sure. The reason is because you're going to be competing with people like me who are ferocious. And I want to do this like crazy. So the people who are in this profession who are surviving have passion. They really want to do it and they love it. So if you don't love it, don't do it. Do something else. Find something else that you love. Uh, I guess the best example of that is my nephew, who was uh, got a degree in law from Stanford. Fancy degree. He went out. He was a surfer. He's a really good surfer, really good skier and surfer. Anyway, he got his job. He worked for one day and realized that it was all a big mistake. And he never wanted to practice law again. Oh, man. And he realized he should have just stuck with surfing. <laughs> <laughs> and so he ended up, he's got a job where he works for the patent office and he does not enjoy it. And he's still a lawyer, but he does like dumb stuff, bureaucratic stuff. And it was all a big mistake. So it seemed like a good idea to him. It was, you know, but before you enter into a field, you really have to know that you're going to love it. And I guess the one thing I would say is go for it. I mean, if there's something that you think is that you can't do, I want to be a movie star or something. Well, go for it. You know, you could do it. You know, just because you think it's unattainable. No, it's not unattainable. You can do anything you want. You know, this world is a wonderful place and you've got a brain and you can figure it out. I guess the only advice I would say you probably shouldn't take that advice if you want to be like a professional athlete because you probably are not going to make it. But just about anything else, yeah, you can do what you want to do. Okay. Thanks, Bill. Are there any last things you would like to share with us? That's it. Just wear a mask, wash your hands, be kind to each other. You know, we've only got one world. Kiss people you love and don't kiss people if you don't love them because it'll pass the virus. <laughs> Uh, thank you very much. Thank you. And thank thanks you, again. Patrick. Yeah, you're welcome. And thank you, Bill. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to today's career story. With me, I'm your host, Patrick Hart. 
and you're listening to our show, What to Be, with today's guest, Santa Cruz architect, Bill Fisher. If you have any questions or would like to share your career story with us, please send an email at whattoberadio at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed today's show, please join us again at 90.7 FM KSQD Santa Cruz at 7 p.m. on Sundays and streaming online at ksqd.org. Or you can visit us at our website at yourfutureisourbusiness.org for more ways to listen. Thank you again and see you next time.